travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 33. This one, keeping with the three theme, is three nights in Phnom Penh. And for the very first time, Trevor and Scott are recording together in Bangkok, Thailand, as I have recently moved back here. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Scott. Is it really our first time doing one together here? I feel like it is. We've recorded together in Phnom Penh, and I think we had planned to record in Bangkok together, but it never panned out. Hmm. So it took 33 episodes uh, for this finally to occur. 33. And we have a regional beer. Tonight we are enjoying Beer Lao Dam, which is uh, Beer Lao's dark lager. We couldn't get a Cambodian beer, but... Uh, we're out of the country. You know, you actually can get Kingdom Dark at, at, at like uh, supermarkets here. A couple of them. Huh. Portier, Emporium. Yeah. I accept the challenge. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about Phnom Penh, a city we both love dearly. And I'll just dive into a, a bit of history. I mean, this is a city that's mired in mystery. The name is exotic to some, unknown to many, carries a storied history. And in reality, it's a little of all of those. At one time in the 1960s, it was, it was really an up-and-coming Southeast Asian cosmopolitan center. And then tragedy hit. The Khmer Rouge took over in 1975 and little, literally punted out about 2 million people out of the city, made the move to the countryside. In a matter of days, the city was a ghost town. So suddenly, Cambodia's main center of commerce and knowledge was empty. A four-year war ensued. The Vietnamese kicked the KR, the Khmer Rouge, out in 1979. Then occupied for another decade. The United Nations came in. More or less peace or stability, but there's been a lot of development really kind of go down the last five years or so, especially with Chinese. There's been a few skyscrapers going up, and things are changing daily. And today, Phnom Penh is, in many respects, as exciting and vibrant and ever-changing as it ever has been. So today, we're going to talk about kind of our experiences in the city and hopefully share some things for you to do when you're there. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, this is a, a fun topic, I think, for us to do together because we have spent uh, quite a bit of time in Phnom Penh together. Um, it, it's always been one of my favorite regional cities. Uh, I, I spent a bit of time in, in Ho Chi Minh City and in Hanoi, um, but I really do have a soft spot for Phnom Penh. I think it's a really fun, really vibrant city. Yeah. Um, because of its French uh, colonial heritage, it has these really wide boulevards and, and mm. these, these nice parks, and it's it's quite well designed. Yeah. Um, that said, you know, it, it, it was abandoned during the war. It took a long time for, for Cambodia to start getting back on its feet. Uh -huh. And uh, Phnom Penh is at times dirty and chaotic. Yeah. Um, it's nothing as modern and, and quote unquote efficient, I guess, as Bangkok. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it does have a lot of energy and uh, and it is developing a lot. I mean, it, there's a few high rises here and there, but it's still like a, a village of millions rather than, than a city, you know? Yeah, it's a great descriptor. I mean, you. I think it's the ultimate 
Southeast Asian city to walk. Like it's not really a big place. And when you walk, you will pass an old crumbling colonial house. You will pass a Khmer person like living almost on the side of the road. You will pass a super wealthy restored colonial house. You'll see, I mean, uh, a skyscraper and you get them all and you get all walks of it. But I think one of the reasons we really wanted to do this show, and for me, I've always found it's the forgotten capital by tourists. Like no one knows what Phnom Penh is and very few travelers make time for it. And I think it's just a shame. Like it is one of the funnest cities going. Yeah, you're right. Because most people go to Cambodia because they want to see the Angkor temples. And Siem Reap is just this really charming little city. I mean, Siem Reap is technically a city by population. Yeah. But it's really just a, a town, you know? Sure. And Siem Reap uh, is so different from Phnom Penh. And, and I think uh, even some people who get to Phnom Penh, they're like, oh my God, it's so crazy and chaotic. And, yeah. And it is, but I mean, it's got very unique charm. Yeah, there's still only like a handful of traffic lights in that entire city, right? It is still kind of that small of a big city of a couple million. Yeah, and it's funny because they have these really wide boulevards, like I was saying before, that the French built. Um, but it's a challenge crossing those streets, you know, because there's lots of motorbikes, there's lots of cars, there's the Ramok, which is the Cambodian tuk-tuk, and mm -hmm. people can drive, like, in the wrong direction, and they're all honking. And, yeah. uh, but, but in between those crazy roads, there's some really nice parks. And uh, in recent years, uh, that. There was a guy who was the mayor of Phnom Penh who did an excellent job on on kind of like uh, beautifying the city, if you will. The, in the, the riverfront area has got this really beautiful right. promenade now. They have really nice grassy parks. Uh, a lot of the roads were resealed. And, and the way I looked at it was kind of like the, the theory of the broken windows, you know? Like, uh -huh. if, if you that? have, well, if you have a broken window in an old building, yeah. the people will smash other windows, you know? So, like, if, if, if none of the windows are broken, then no one's going to bother throwing rocks at the window. I hear so, you. like, if you're in that area around, like, the Grand Palace or the, the Royal Palace and, uh -huh. and the museum, when they redid those roads and they redid those sidewalks so that it looked so much nicer, I think that's when the Cambodian people stopped just littering all over the streets everywhere because huh. there used to just be piles of trash and rats running around. And it's a good point. Actually, you know what? We talked about this. There are not actually <laughs> rats running around. Yeah. Unlike Bangkok, Phnom Penh is surprisingly rat-free. I think everyone eats them. Yeah. That's just my theory. Well, before we go too much further, a very quick plug for our sponsor, Heritage Suites. Uh, wonderful hotel there in Siem Reap, uh, kind of a French-style hotel, but really just homey. You feel like you feel like you're at someone's house, really. Eh? Yeah, it's a really nice vibe, really nice atmosphere, and uh, it kind of captures the that that old world feeling of, of the temples and exploration uh, in, in a very boutique-y kind of town, which Siem Reap is. Yeah, and I mean, they're tucked right next to a school and a temple just off kind of the main drag. So if you're going to Siem Reap, consider Heritage Suites. It's a really nice treat and a great place to stay. So Trevor, let's kind of get into what we, what we like doing in Phnom Penh. Yeah, I, I immediately it flashed in my mind our, our tuk-tuk bar hopping night. <laughs> no, I don't know if we remember enough of that to talk about yeah. it, nor should we on this particular episode. And I don't know, it's it's slightly unfair to Phnom Penh just to say, like, oh, this is the, the place to, to go bar hopping in a tuk-tuk. But but that is actually a good point. That like, sure is. Phnom Penh is, is a really fun city to, mm. to go out. There's a lot of things going on um, at night from restaurants to bars to nightclubs. 
Um, but, but what I think I enjoy most about Phnom Penh is, is the weekends, particularly Sunday, um, in the parks when all the families and, and couples are picnicking and flying kites and, and playing games. Um, the Cambodian people are, are so friendly and sweet and, and almost like childlike in many ways. Like there's this innocence and, you yeah. know, like when, when you see all these people hanging out in the parks and if you take a stroll through the park, uh, people will be happy to see you walking through the park with them and they're, they're likely to, to ask you to join in one of their games or something. So uh, I really love the, the parks as a contrast to the, to the normal everyday hustle and bustle um, of the city that, that gives it the energy that I like as well. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things too, and, and I always told guests when I organize trips, is that this is a fantastic place to eat, drink, be merry, and treat yourself right. And, you know, people kind of associate Cambodian Phnom Penh with the horrors of the war and that, and, and it is. But, I mean, definitely having fun, drinking and dining is one of the best things. You've mentioned them, but the wide French boulevards to me are incredible. I love nothing more than going for a walk or a jog along those uh, boulevards and the riverfront walk which you mentioned is now really really nice the old colonial buildings like there's some that are wonderfully restored and there's some that are crumbling and you know you, you touched on it the people the people are you know just nice they'll always be smiling they're not quite as openly as friendly as the ties but they are curious and they and, and they are really hospitable but the one thing I like, too, is that although skyscrapers are growing up and it's getting a little cleaner and more modern, there's still a real kind of mysterious feeling in the air. Yeah, and, and just before we move on, I, I wanted to say something. You mentioned walking earlier. Yeah. And, and it is kind of a sprawling city. And, and when you were mentioning how friendly the people are, uh, you know, they, they definitely will look to take some advantage of the naivete of foreigners especially like the the tuk-tuk drivers and the motorbike guys can oh, be sure. yeah um so i do actually walk a lot in the city just so that yeah. i don't have to deal with with negotiating with some of these guys and i think that's one of the best ways to to get to meet some of the local people and, and see some of the the less touristy side sites yeah. if you're walking from a to b yeah and you do have to be prepared when you walk the one thing that drives me bonkers is you really can't go further than about 25 meters or so without somebody saying tuk 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 motorcycle, motorcycle. yeah yeah to you, like everybody wants you to, to ride with them and so. you will need them because the, the city is uh i don't know several miles by several miles i mean i mean you could walk from one end of the city to another in, in several hours uh sure it's not bangkok size but it is quite large and the attractions are somewhat far apart yeah and and it does get really hot during the day i mean this is southeast asia right sure um, can. so just for for getting around how to get from a to b uh lots of times at your hotel there will be a crew of, of romok or tuk-tuk drivers who hang out um specifically in like a kind of contractual obligation with the hotel that you're staying at right, right. and i find one of the best things to do is just hire one of those guys for an entire day or for an yeah, entire night nice. rather than you know going like one off one off one off just be like hey you know how much would it cost for you to take me around all day right. and or all night and it's usually like ten dollars maybe fifteen dollars for a yeah. day and you'll develop a relationship with this guy mm. and, and they turn out to be really friendly guys they'll be really really helpful and uh, you, if you get a local sim card or, or you're on roaming you can get this guy's phone number so that like if you want to go to a museum or if you want to have lunch somewhere um, you can just give him a call and he'll come and pick you up I think that's the best way 
to yeah, get. Yeah, it's a slick thing. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is, of course, they'll try and, you know, nicely make as much as they can. But they're more concerned about distance and gasoline usage than mm -hmm. time. So, like, if the fare suddenly, he wants five bucks more because you drove 20 minutes out of town, you might think, like, oh, he waited for us for two hours and didn't want more money. He wants more money because he's actually burned gas, which costs money. So just keep that in mind. Those prices go up generally with actual distance and gas consumption. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the tuk-tuk guy, if you can hire him for the day, is one of the best ways to go. Um, just because it's going to be way more convenient. You're not going to get hassled as much. Um, but speaking of tuk-tuks, I think uh, that that's something we should get into is safety. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a thing. Yeah, I, a couple of years ago, I, I was meeting a friend who arrived in town um, during the big water festival, and I met her in a very touristy area, and we, we jumped in the tuk-tuk, right. and, and I put my bag on the tuk-tuk seat in front of me, uh -huh. and uh, as we got out of the tourist area, what happened was a motorbike drive drove past us, and the guy who was sitting uh, on the back of the motorbike reached into the tuk-tuk and grabbed my bag out of no the tuk-tuk and, and, and drove off. And got it. Yeah, and, and since that time, I've noticed uh, that they do drive around in Casey. Like, there'll be, like, two motorbikes will pull up on either side of the tuk-tuk, yeah. and they'll be talking back and forth about, like, what you have and how easy it might be to snatch out uh -huh. of your bag. So, while I don't think, like, violent crimes are that pot, are, are that common in in Phnom Penh, mm -hmm. um, I definitely think you can be robbed very easily. Uh, a friend of mine who lived in the city, uh, she had, uh, she came home with someone from the building across the alleyway from hers had used a long bamboo stick to open a window no in her way. place and reach through the bars because all the windows have bars on them, but to reach into the room and use the bamboo stick to pick up like a bag in the room. No way. So like one of the things I always tell people too is whenever you check into like guest house or a hotel or anything, make sure the window's locked because even if there's bars on it, if that window's not locked, like they can still like get yeah. inside there. Yeah, we don't want to cause a panic. And I think you've touched on a good point is that Cambodia well, in Phnom Penh, isn't the kind of like violent crime dangerous place that it necessarily was at a time, but it's this quick snatch and grab, easy access. So, I mean, I had a guest one time that had his camera snatched and he was standing on uh, Street 240, which kind of has some trendy shops. And he was standing on the edge of the sidewalk, taking a picture across the road. Someone drove by and just grabbed the camera off him. So I think like when you're walking, keep your purse or your bag, you know, in the hand away from the road. When you're mm -hmm. in a tuk-tuk, keep your bag like on the floor of the tuk-tuk between your legs. If you're going to take a picture, stand back from the road a meter or two. So it's just those kind of being on guard, common sense things. Yeah, I think it's more of that, like, uh, you know, there's a lot of very poor people and uh, they're opportunistic, you know, and if, you, sure. if you're going to give them an opportunity to take advantage of you, then, uh, you know, it, it's going to happen. Right. So let's quickly touch on some key sites. I mean... Uh, there's the obscure in Phnom Penh, but some of the, the ones you absolutely have to see. I mean, you've got things like Wat Phnom, which uh, Wat is a temple and Phnom's a hill. And it's sort of a, a classic stoop on a fairly small hill that serves as a traffic circle, right? Yeah, you know, when, when I just looked up and saw Wat Phnom, I wanted to, to remind people to watch out for the monkeys too, yeah? Oh, yeah? I mean, there's signs there that say, like, the monkeys will steal your stuff, but they will. And I have a friend who's convinced that, like, someone has trained monkeys to, to go into apartments and steal cell phones. Oh, I yeah. that. I've heard, yeah. Um, but Wat Phnom is the... the Phnom Penh is named after Lady Penn and 
from Wapanoam is on Lady Pan's Hill, and right. that's kind of a landmark, and it's got some trees. Uh, if, if you need to catch some shade, if you want to see one of the temples in town, uh, I think that's one of the more interesting ones for sure. Yeah, I think a thing to keep in mind, too, is if you've been to Bangkok or you've been to Angkor, I mean, none of the temples or the palaces are quite as grand in Phnom Penh as other places, so kind of keep your expectations and check and I mean these places are just they're all nice pleasant steps or stops for a while one I like is I mean it's on the end of a French boulevard is Independence Monument it was I believe designed by kind of the premier uh, designer there um, Van Moliva Van Moliva yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but it's a kind of a very very unique looking monument and it's at the end of a boulevard like that combined with a walker to walk to it is, is super cool I love the colonial area around the post office I mean the buildings around there, most of the colonial ones have been restored. It's not a huge area, but man, it's tough to find nicer restored French colonial buildings in there. Yeah, and uh, I think, I mean, a must-stop destination for me is the the National Museum. Mm. Um, if you've been to Angkor, one of the things that's somewhat disappointing about Angkor is that there's no statuary in virtually all of the, the temples, you know, yeah. and all of the temples were, were completely filled with, with statues, like every single nook and cranny and alcove had a statue that was built uh, in honor of someone's ancestor and or a god, mm. um, and many of those are now in the National Museum which is just simply spectacular. Yeah, it's a good one. And you know, markets, I mean, the famed Russian market is a few kilometers from town. You'd need a tuk-tuk. I mean, if you want your kitschy tourist stuff, fake DVDs and all that, that's the place. But a beautiful building, like right in the center of town, same guy that did Independence Monument, is the Central Market. And it's a really strange design, but they restored it a couple years ago, and it is just gorgeous, even if you don't want to buy anything. Yeah. Actually, the Central Market's even older. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has recently been restored, uh, and, yeah. and it's, it's really nice. Super it's a good place nice. to buy uh, even like sunglasses, or if you need a, an extra bag, because you're going to buy like lots t-shirt, of yeah, yeah, yeah. t-shirts, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's just a really cool building. And, uh, and it's not just for tourists. A lot of local people go there. So for there's sure. a lot of, there's a lot of active city life going on. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you know, the, the killing fields yeah. and, uh, Tulslang, the, the, the prison, the, these are things I think are important for tourists to yeah. go to, to see just for an appreciation of, of the history of, yeah. of what's occurred. Um, I, I certainly think, I mean, I don't know how you can prepare yourself. Like I was going to say, no. prepare yourself. Um, it, it is very emotional. Sure um, is. But, you know, I think it's worthwhile. So you can just have a, an understanding of, of the yeah. complete picture of, of the culture and the history. Yeah. Um, but I would say, I think Scott wrote it down in our notes, that it's a good idea to go early. And mm. I think it's a good idea to go early just because, like, it gets really hot again in the daytime in Cambodia. Yeah. And... Uh, if you're already going to be doing something that's that's quite emotionally draining, you don't want to be sweating. Yeah, you know, on that one, like most people, I'd say a lot of tourists only come to Phnom Penh to see S21 or mm. the prison and the killing fields. Now, S21 is kind of in the city. It's in an old school. It's one of the most haunting places. Like you got to kind of go to see the depths that humanity can sink to. Mm. Killing fields are, you know, what, 15K out of town or something like that. I mean, and I like it in the morning only because, yeah, you're going to feel shaken up and drained. So do it and then have time to recover. 
um, onto something a little bit happier. Like a nice thing to do when you're there is do a little evening sundown boat cruise. You can rent like big boats for cheap there and just cruise in for an hour. Take some of your own food. I know we've taken pizzas before and some mm. beer. A nice little cruise just along the river. It's nice at night too. Yeah, there's a couple of really nice uh, sunset cruises. I mean, Scott was saying to rent a boat, and we've, we've certainly done that many times. Uh, maybe in our show notes, we'll put the name of... Uh, there's a couple of kind of social enterprise-involved yeah. uh, sunset cruises where you can do either like a dinner cruise or just like sunset cocktails. Right. Uh, it's really nice, especially now that the, the area across the, the river from the city is, is developing. And it's the confluence of, of three different rivers, really. It's the Choctamook is the, the area where the, the city was built. It's called the Four Faces, and it's the, the intersection of, of these different rivers. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it's really beautiful. I mean, so much of Cambodian culture is based on on water and rivers, and they yeah. get all of their protein practically from fish. Um, so seeing uh, river life, even if just briefly from, you know, a fancy tourist boat while you're drinking cocktails will yeah. give you at least some appreciation of, of how important water and the rivers are to the to the culture yeah and i always think too if you haven't been somewhere else where you're on the mekong river i mean at least the boat's going to touch the mekong at some point so you yeah. can say hey i was on the mekong yeah yeah and i know you really like uh Suwanapum theater the shadow puppets and dance huh yeah i think uh you know cambodian dance is is somewhat similar to, to thai dance um, and I think in Siem Reap, it, it might be a little bit more easy to, to see some of these cultural shows. Um, but the Suwanapum Theater, which has uh, shadow puppets, and they do like the traditional Cambodian dance. Um, again, we'll put a link for that on the show notes. It's a good way to see some like, you know, Cambodian culture. Um, right, right, right. Well, let's uh, hop into a few activities because, I mean, you... You do your, you know, your sightseeing, but maybe you actually want to do something. And something I like, I mean, we talk about bikes a lot, is, is cycling. And uh, I went on a tour, and, I, and it was called, like, Islands of the Mekong or something. Mm. I was sort of like, huh? But you know what? Like, if you're comfortable on a bike, then you're all right coping with a bit of crazy traffic getting out of town. Um, there's, there's some companies that do really good trips, and they'll just take a very, very quick ferry ride to a nearby island, and you ride some dirt tracks, and, like kind of country roads and you're sort of like in the city but you're out in the countryside at the same time and there's like little silk weaving villages and yeah yeah, it's pretty slick i definitely say do it with the tour because when when i did the there's like mekong it's called mekong island quote unquote but there's actually several islands yeah like on the tonle sap and the mekong river and uh I, I, when I did it, I just got some crappy Chinese bike, and, and I <laughs> yeah. rode out of town, and then I found some boat that could take me on a ferry across, and it was quite a mission, man. I can't even imagine any normal person wanting to do yeah. you know, what I did. But once I got onto that island, and I was riding the bike around, uh, I bought some, some, some silk and some other cloth um, from the families who were weaving them underneath their houses and like to buy souvenirs from the people who were actually making the souvenirs instead of buying them from like a market in Phnom Penh is is a much more special experience. Yeah. I mean, I did mine with Grasshopper Adventures and the the fact is they take the people ferries too. The one ferry you take back across has tons of motorbikes on it. So that's culturally neat. Um, Another one I, I like are architecture tours, right? There's some architecture tours like, and they're actually people from the university, the main mm. university in town, that'll walk you through certain districts. And we'll put it in the show notes. But like, you get a professor 
who's lived through the times when they were built and whatnot. It's really interesting. And I know you're a, a big fan of cooking courses too, right? Yeah, I've done lots of cooking courses over the years and uh, I've taken some Cambodian cooking classes. And a lot of people aren't familiar whatsoever with Cambodian cuisine, you know. No. Um, it's, it's somewhat similar to Thai cuisine, uh, but there are some unique uh, Cambodian dishes and uh, doing a cooking class is a, is a really good introduction to those because like maybe people don't want to go eat like some street food or they're, they're hesitant about eating at a local restaurant. Uh, so why not just cook it yourself? You know, yeah. uh, there's a place called Frizz that's on Street 240. Um, they do a pretty decent cooking class. Uh, some of the other ones I've done before, I don't know if they're still around anymore, but you can always Google, you know, Cambodian cooking class or cooking class Phnom Penh. Yeah. And uh, I think that's always cooking classes are fun. Yeah. I want to talk about one thing not to do really, and this is just really a personal thing, is is think twice before going to orphanages and certain things like that. I mean, visiting schools, like you got to really ask yourself, are you going to take pictures of yourself with a cute Cambodian kid or like you're being probably in most cases more disruptive than not. And, and a lot of those kind of places that do open their doors to people dropping in real quick aren't it's not really for the benefit of the people. There are good organizations. I know that Friends International is pretty good, but like really think twice before you do some of that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. People are always like, oh, you know, I did this thing. And, and really what you're doing is encouraging organizations that uh, probably just hire or buy kids to, to, yeah. to raise money and you're, you're, you know, exacerbating the problem. Yeah. Well, you know, we touched on eating and we, we kind of don't want to recommend too many specific restaurants on this one because things change. But, you know, I've had people say, well, why are there so many great places to eat? And there's literally everything. There's Japanese, there's Italian, there's, of course, Khmer, there's even a North Korean restaurant there. And like the reason this stuff happens is that for the last 20, 30 years, there's been so many NGOs, UN type people that have lived in this city making big international salaries that they always had the money to go out. And so in a, in a fairly small city, you literally can get almost any kind of cuisine you want, and, and it's affordable. So that's why there's all the great cuisine. Now, Trevor, you and I have done a bit of drinking, so what can people expect in the way of, of drinking and having libations? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's spirits are relatively cheap. Uh, beer is relatively cheap. Uh, there's people making their own beer now. There's people making yeah, their own spirits beer. now. Uh, one of the interesting things about Cambodia is is how, quote-unquote, lawless, I guess it is. It's kind of very Wild West. Yeah. So there's people importing random, like, I don't know what Mexican restaurant we went to, and they had, like, fat tire ales from Fort Collins, That's Colorado. Right. That's yeah. right. How and did that just, get there? Yeah, like, you just can, whoever wants to bring whatever in, like, no matter how they can get it in, like, you can find it. And... You know, there's guys who are making their own rum or they're doing infused right. rums. I think we went yeah. to one of those places one night. Um, there's a pretty interesting uh, music scene going on, like uh, with just expats. And it's a very cosmopolitan city. You know, earlier we touched on the fact that the UN uh, kind of ran Cambodia for, for many years. Right. Um, but like a lot of the social infrastructure of Cambodia is still run by different NGOs and mm. and the, you talked about like North Koreans and there's a huge Korean presence there. So the city is so diverse in in its expatriate community and, and all of these people have, have built their own nightlife and restaurant venues. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where to tell people to start. I think you just, uh, you know, you get yourself a tuk-tuk for the night and, yeah. uh, and start just... 
driving around. The good news is that happy hour beers can be found for 50 cents a glass of beer. So, yeah. I mean, it is very affordable. And there's lots of bars where a can of beer is a buck, like a dollar US. So, actually, you know, what we're here is quick money thing is that when you actually go out and buy things, it's in US dollars, but your change comes in local currency of the real. There's no coins. So, you want to go armed with. American cash, fresh, crisp bills, mm. ones with like tears, missing corners, or too crumpled or no good, and you're going to get your change in local money. So you never want to go change like $100 into local currency. You will be a fool and you'll be need a, a backpack to carry it around. Yeah, and you want to, to some degree, keep your eye out for some fake U.S. currency as well, you know, because yeah. uh, there's a lot of photocopy shops around town. and uh... There are. <laughs> so, in the true spirit of the name of this episode, Three Nights in Phnom Penh, let's kind of quickly run people through what we would do with three nights and four days in Phnom Penh. So we're going to assume that you arrive in the late morning or early afternoon. And I kind of say, like, walk from your hotel to the riverside walk. And walk it at least once. This way you find out, I mean, do a quick look on the map how far your hotel is, maybe from mm. the riverside. But you're probably not further than a kilometer. And then you walk it at least once. And you can go back another time. But it's, it's just a good way to get a little bit of the lay of the land, huh? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I would suggest, like, if your first day is like a Friday or Saturday, like I, I think it's nicest the parks and the riverside on Sunday because that's kind of the one day off that most of the local people get. Yeah. So it's a little bit more happening on Sunday. Um, but it, at least certainly one uh, afternoon around sunset, you do want to do the, the riverside walk. And uh, if you're on the north side of town, you could walk all the way down to the south end uh, right. and, and cut in towards the Independence Monument. Um, if you're on the south end, you could do it in the reverse uh, order. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice area for a stroll. Yeah. Now dinner, treat yourself right, right off the bat, have some really good Cambodian or Khmer food and, uh, go for dinner at, is it Malis or Mali? I think it's Mali. Mali. Yeah. yeah. M-A-L-I-S in the show notes. It's kind of the remote, most renowned Cambodian cuisine established in town. It's going to be a little closer to Western prices, but like still way below what you'd pay in, in a major North American city, but it's. It's like stylish Khmer cuisine. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, big on atmosphere and, and maybe what it lacks in authenticity because they are kind of tailoring things a little bit to, to Western sure. tastes. Um, it's certainly going to be a good introduction to the cuisine and yeah. uh, and you can't go wrong. I mean, I know a lot of people when they travel, they want to be cautious when they first arrive because you don't want to sure. ruin your trip by eating something that's going to upset your stomach. Uh, you don't have to worry about that at Mali. No. All right. So that night, hit the town and do it upright. Like build your list of where you're going to go. But there are literally Latin bars, wine bars, things that call themselves Irish pubs. But like Metro on the main drag around the riverside always has something going. Liquid's a pretty good bet. But get out there and hit the town hard. Yeah, River House. Uh, I yeah. think like if you're staying somewhere along like the, the riverfront there, there's a number of establishments, there's a bunch of bars, even the FCC, which is good for uh, yeah. happy hour in that sunset area. I think if you just strolled along the, the riverfront area for your first night while you're just trying to get your bearings, um, there's enough uh, easy to go to and, and enjoyable restaurants and bars and nightclubs. Right, so assuming you did our last tip really, really well, you wake up day two, you figure out a way to shake it all off. And we recommend you get S21 and the Killing Fields out of the way in the morning. 
A, avoid the heat, but you know, make sure you don't miss it and you have time to recoup. So hire yourself a, a tuk-tuk or a remolk as they're called, and that's gonna take you at about lunchtime to hit those two. And then uh, we recommend lunch at uh, Romdang. What is Romdang? Um, Romdang, Romdang is a uh, part of that Friends International uh, organization that right. uh, they train uh, impoverished children, former street children, um, to work in the kitchen, to work as servers, culinary to, arts. to, to get yeah, culinary arts. Yeah. And uh, Friends is incredibly popular. It's always super crowded. Romdang is a little bit, a little bit around the corner, a little bit yeah. lesser known. And the cool thing about Romdang is that they they focus on. Uh, Cambodian cuisine, but more like the traditional rural type thing. So you can get beef with red ant eggs yeah. or uh, it's I, spiders. On yeah, the I, I, I ate a tarantula there. You can get tarantula with a, a black pepper sauce. The Cambodian, the black pepper in Cambodia is amazing. But like black pepper and uh, lemon yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. salt, and you just tell yourself it's a soft shell crab and and enjoy. So you've you know you've had lunch after the killing fields. Head back to your hotel. I mean, have a massage, find a place to sit and just kind of decompress, have a coffee, let it seep through you. And then uh, you got to hit the National Museum, right, Trevor? Yeah, again, I think like in the middle of the day, the, the National Museum is open air. It's not air conditioned. Uh, I think yeah. afternoon, like, you know, you should check ahead of time. I don't remember what time it closes, maybe even as early as four. Um, but I think it's a good place to do like in the early afternoon because it, it is really special to see the arts of, of the Cambodian people. Yeah, and you know what? After you've done the Killing Fields and S21 in the morning, it's a nice thing because you don't need to talk at a museum and you can just be quiet and look at it. The object's in there and it'll kind of take your mind off it too. It's kind of mm. a perfect decompression in my mind. And then, um, man, I love this place for dinner. This place called Suwana, which I'm trying to remember like the the Suvana in, in Africa, but Suwana, and it's grown into a giant barbecue place. And it's very Khmer style, uh, tables and chairs in a simple atmosphere, but they grill up pork, chicken, beef, fried rice, vegetables, draft beer, and you just go in and you just absolutely stuff yourself. Yeah, if any of you have ever listened to any of these episodes before, which I'm not entirely sure of, <laughs> like we've talked about Suwana before. Yeah, like I think in our favorite foods of Asia, I think yeah. uh, we did. We talked about the that's place, great right, barbecue awesome. place, and that's where you're going to get legit beef with red ant eggs. You yeah. know, like Rombang is going to give you the, the foreigner version, but but Suwana is going to give you the. Real it's food. awesome. And then you got to hit the town again, right? So tonight we're doing it kind of like nightclub style. Right? Yeah. Um, Zeppelin Bar, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, It's so weird. Like, Cambodia is such a weird place. Last time I was in Zeppelin Bar, there was these two dudes like dressed up like characters from A Clockwork Orange. Right. And they, were you with me that night? No, but you told me about They it. were dressed up in like the white jumpsuits and they had like the shaved eyebrows or like uh, funny hats. They really looked like... Yeah. Like they were in the milk bar or something like that. It's a Taiwanese guy that plays like Zeppelin and Van Halen and stuff on vinyl. His wife runs the bar and they do amazing dumplings. If you do go mm. there, beer's a dollar and get their dumplings. Like they're fantastic. Um, and then there's Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness is like the one of the oldest bars in the city probably. Original club, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. There, there's like the GM of a five-star hotel and like oh, tourists yeah. and hookers. Yeah. And everybody who doesn't have a gun or any drugs because you got to check your gun at the front door if you got a bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. You're, they're, you're not getting a gun in there. Drugs too. Like they search every nook and cranny to make sure that nobody's bringing any shit in there. But once you're in there, like good times, good dancing. Yeah, and Pontoon's right around there, another kind of big nightclub that actually did start out on a pontoon barge. Yeah. And then if 
I always think this is a bad idea, but if you're up late and you still want to keep going, Howie Bar is right there. And it's this kind of Khmer guy that thinks he's American and it's got a pool table. If you're there, like, you probably should be home. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just walking around that area where Hart and Pontoon and Howie and Zeppelin are, um, it's a pretty interesting, vibrant nightlife. Again, like, don't be flaunting your purse around you know yeah. you want to watch yourself late at night in those streets but uh yeah it's it's pretty pretty fun yeah and then if you want some late night dim sum chinese head to sam do and uh, i don't know what time they're open till but sam do some tasty treats so we scrape ourselves off our bed again on day three and uh, what do we do trevor um you know you were talking about the the old buildings, they do an architecture tour or something like that. But I think the colonial area might be worth like a yeah. nice morning thing if you if you need a jog, um, you know, going yeah. <laughs> or a stroll and a coffee. Yeah, um, you know, going up around like by the Raffles Hotel there yeah. and 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 Vans and, and the old bank and the post office, uh, that part of town. I mean, you could probably put Wat Phnom in with that. Because, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you go to Wat Phnom early in the morning and check out some right. of the old architecture. Good one. Um, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, and then uh, come here lunch, you know, Sugar Palm on 240. You made this note with that. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I mean, the Sugar Palm in, in Siem Reap is really mm. the, the best option, but there is a Sugar Palm on 240. If you want to get some some tasty food, uh, the recipes come from the, the chef's mom and grandma, and, and it's all legit. Um, but 240 is really cool because uh, Street 240 has got a bunch of social enterprises that work with, you know, impoverished women and, and to make handicrafts and soaps and massage oils and and there's a lot of really good shopping there yeah there's like spas and, yeah and people making cool clothes mm, and chocolate too. shops yep. and yeah all kinds of stuff um and then you got to maybe do yourself a, a bike ride like we talked about or maybe a sunset boat cruise be sure to take your pizza or something along with you on that one and then you should definitely put on a nice set of clothes have a shower you got to dress respectably and go to the elephant bar for it used to be two for one and now i think it's 50 percent off happy hour i don't remember the hours but like five to eight but it's in the stately raffles colonial hotel and the elephant bar there's usually a piano player and you know go in and have like a manhattan or a long island or something yeah but you know like last time we were at the elephant bar which it seems like not that long ago but maybe it was a year ago it was december I, really? 2014 okay. um there was people in like beer chong t-shirts and shorts and stuff yeah. so like again like i like if you brought some nice clothes, this is the time to use them. But but they're not going to kick you out. Right. And then uh, <laughs> dinner, what do we do for dinner, man? Um, well, we were talking about the Colonial Buildings. Uh, Vans um, is a really nice French restaurant. Again, uh, because of the French colonial influence, uh, there actually are quite a few good... Uh, French restaurants in town. Quite a um, few. Yeah, Vans is one of them. It says uh, it was in, a, in an old colonial mansion, but I thought that that was, was a bank. bank. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, a it was an yeah, old it was bank. bank. Um, beautiful building, uh, and the food's quite good. It's certainly more of a romantic pricey, atmosphere. Like yeah, a little bit pricey. Yeah. And then uh, Tapui at the Chinese house, which is where we ate the, on yeah. the last trip, too. We had that microbrew beer there. That yeah, they got the microbrew beer. Some American guys are making it there. Some French guys are, are running the place. I think they were French. Maybe Argentine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it's it foggy for young, happened. hipper people, uh, Tapui Chinese house is, uh, is a nice venue. Yeah, day four, I mean, I don't know if you've had a big night. Do whatever you got to do to sort it out and get going. Maybe you want to hit the Russian market or the central market that day. 
Uh, I think, you know, have a massage if you haven't had one already, be it a foot massage or a Khmer massage or whatever. Yeah, I mentioned uh, in, in our notes here that uh, if, if you are only going to Phnom Penh and you, you don't plan on going to Siem Reap and going to Angkor, um, I like a day trip to the south of Phnom Penh, right. to Tonle Bati, uh, mm. or maybe Phnom Chiso and Phnom Da. Um, Udong, which is the old capital to the north of, of Phnom Penh, I don't think is, is that spectacular. But if you're not going to see Angkor Wat and you're not going to see Angkor Thom, if you go to the south of uh, Phnom Penh, there's actually temples that were built by the kings who built Angkor Wat and the kings who built Angkor Thom um, and the Bayon. Cool. Uh, Chiso is, is really nice on top of a mountain. Um, Tonle Bati, there's a temple there that's called Taprom, which is uh, built by the same guy who built the Taprom. Phnom Da is the capital before Angkor. There's a really nice uh, um, museum there in Angkor Bore. Yeah. Um, th th some of the little day trips to the south are cool. If you if you can ride a motorcycle, you know you can rent a off road motorbike and. Right. But I don't know if I want to recommend people do sure, that. Sure, the, sure. the traffic's crazy. Yeah. Well, just as we wrap this one up, uh, let's quickly touch on hotels. One of the cool things is there's all kinds of accommodation in that city from like $5 a night upwards and you can get great deals. A couple of places I like, like if you haven't had the colonial experience somewhere else, Raffles is like, yeah, it's pretty slick. It's, I mean, French colonial, it's great. If you don't want to spend quite that much money, I really like one called The Plantation. Mm. Uh, it was open a handful of years ago. Great value for money. You can get a room for under 100 bucks. Which ones do you like, Trevor? Um, at the high end, maybe not high end, but like for reasonable price, yeah. high end. The Amanjaya, just because it's, right it's right on the riverfront. Yeah. The rooms are like nice hardwood kind of teak style floors. I don't right. think it's just bang maybe is the tree. Yeah. Um, and, and really nice like uh, decor. Uh, they really have a good rooftop bar that we didn't mention earlier. La Moon. Yeah. La Moon is a really nice rooftop bar. It is a nice rooftop bar. Um, and then at the lower end, if you're on a budget, there's a place called the Alibi Guest House. I don't know if you've ever been no, there. I, I, never been. I, I always recommend it to people, but I, I never have actually stayed there. Like I, <laughs> I like to drop in and check it out. But it's this old, it's like a big old house. Maybe, you know, like 80 year old house, honestly. And, and it's got like eight bedrooms hmm. over like three stories. And each of them are different style and design and decor and bedding and I stuff like that. It and it, it's like $15 a night or something like that. Wow. There's no air con, but it's just really charming. And, and it's right around the corner kind of from uh, the Gek Lazy Gecko and all that. Oh, okay, um, right. On like the park yeah, side. Yeah. You know where the German brew pub is? Yeah, yeah. We've just like you go past the German brew pub, there's a tiny little soy on the right. And, okay. it, and it tucks into this tiny little alley. And cool. the Alibi Guest House is, is a great option, I think. Super. Well, you can tell we obviously are very, very uh, excited about Phnom Penh. That was how we would spend three nights in Phnom Penh. Check out the trip notes. We will put some links up to some of the spots we talked about. And until next time, two weeks from now, thank you for listening to Talk Travel Asia. This is Scott Coates saying farewell. This is Trevor Ranges. Uh, stay tuned. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about in two weeks, but uh, it's going to be awesome. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Tom and Amber?